You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it. Hey, it's vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks, we are back, and we are going back to the David Tennant era. That's right, when Doc David Tennant was showing a couple of specials that wrapping up his run on Doctor Who, and this is one I was shocked when we found out that we haven't reviewed yet. It is Waters of Mars, and it is going to be a ton of wet fun to talk about. It should be interesting to do. We got a great crew to talk all about it. Uh, we have a guest with us, of course. We have Amy Solomon, formerly, you know, what was it, Hirschman? Yes, formerly Hirschman. Formerly Hirschman. Welcome to Earth Station Who. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Oh, and it, this was a listener choice, and this was your choice. You had given me a huge list of episodes to that you wanted to talk about, and this one won out. Why is this one, you know, special to you? Uh, this one in particular special to me because I happen to be friends with one of the writers of the episode, Phil Ford, the other being RTD. And um, it, I, um, I've just been friends with him for many years. I met him at Gallifrey. So it's a real standout to me. That is awesome. You know, when you told me, oh, if we do Waters of Mars, I have a little, you know, personal contact with that one. And it was like, okay. That's the one we're choosing. So, <laughs> so it's pretty awesome. And we're really happy to have you on board. And we always ask what, you know, this very important question, who is your doctor? Oh, my doctor is David Tennant. It's Ten. Really? What about him? Yeah. Uh, well, he's the one that I actually got started with. The very first episode okay. I saw was Tooth and Claw. Oh, wow. Uh, Good so one. Yeah, so uh, he that's the first one I saw. And then from there, I asked my friend, can I see another one? Is there more? And that's when we went back to Eccleston. But then when we got on to back on to uh, the ten, Tenant era, uh, I really, he still remained my favorite doctor, my doctor. Oh, that, that is awesome. Have you ventured at all into the old series or are you mostly a new series? I have some. My good friend Bob Mitch uh, used to throw Who Nights at his place uh, every Thursday. And uh, I, I have seen quite a bit of the old series, but I'm not as familiar with it as I, as I am with, um, you know, the current run. Oh, that's awesome. 
That is awesome. I'm glad you, you know, because some people say, nope, nope, I stick with the new series. I don't pay attention to that old stuff and everything. Oh, I think it's important to go back and know your history. No, agree completely with that. Well, welcome aboard, and we are looking forward to talking with you more. I'm looking forward to sharing more. That's very good. We also have a couple of our regulars here, of course. Let's, of course, welcome Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It is fantastic to be here. And Mr. Howdy himself, Mike Gordon. Howdy. So we have a great one ahead of us, folks. Of course, we would love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at EarthStationWho.com is the way to get in touch with us. Of course, we also have a wonderful Facebook group. We also have a Twitter account. And eventually we'll get around to pay, uh, one of those uh, like Instagram thingies or something like that for other new media, you know, once we get there. But, you know, we actually had a really lot of fun talking everyone live last time when we did romance on the TARDIS, it was a fun episode. We had some great conversation going and you know what? We got some opinions that I didn't even expect to get from some of you guys at home. So it's pretty darn awesome. And I'm very happy to hear that. So definitely, you know, thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for our numbers, of course, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please feedback at our station who.com. And, you know, as we like to say, always, we are look up on every podcast media player you can think of with all the big boys or station who's there with it too. And, you know, thank you again for those wonderful numbers we got um, on that, on the service where we're in the top 10% of Doctor Who podcasts. Pretty cool guys. Thank you. Keep on doing it. I think it's pretty awesome. So definitely, you know, check us out, leave feedback, leave ratings. Five stars is the only thing that's acceptable. Anything else is, you know, left by the master. That's what I think. So it's pretty cool like that. So anyway, Doctor Who News. The only Doctor Who News came out actually today where they did announce that the spring special will be coming to us Easter weekend. That's right. We're going to be seeing the Sea Devils once again. And, you know, who haven't seen be seen in the new series yet. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And it's the second to last episode with Jody as the Doctor. So we're going to be getting that in April. So, folks, we have kind of a date yet we don't know if it's saturday or sunday yet and what time if it's going to be on bbc america at the same time or if it's going to be on you know later the evening or a couple days after we don't know that yet but when we know we will tell you because we don't do rumors on the show uh uh-uh. nope 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 we don't do that at all because you know there's tons of rumors going around stuff about rtd talk about the new doctor about some of the new writers they have we don't touch on that and you know what david Tennant at least has come out saying i am not the new doctor okay he has officially came out and said that he's too busy working on too many zillion of other things so so, you know i don't know if he even has time to do doctor who but i know he will be back for the 60th anniversary special so that's a plus that is a plus so another cool thing that just happened this last weekend in los angeles california was Gallifrey. It used to be an annual tradition until the pandemic hit, and that's where I met Mary for the first time in person, and I actually met Amy for the first time in person. So it was actually very cool to, you know, go to Gallifrey, and I will return to Gallifrey sometime. You know, just Southern California is just an amazing place. I miss it greatly. And you know what? Amy actually did LobbyCon. She didn't actually go into the full thing, but how was it? Was it up to like was it really crowded was it not was it down from what you were used to 
it was down from what I was used to. Uh, LobbyCon used to be a really happening, crowded place. It's a little less crowded than it used to be, but um, there are still people to be found in costume and milling about. And uh, it, it has a different feel to it, especially because the lobby has been completely redesigned. Actually, the, the carpets have been changed out. That much-loved carpet pattern has <gasps> been changed. Yeah. Uh, and the, the bar has been brought out a little bit into the lobby area. Uh, so, but it was, it was really nice to still be there among all the who fans. That's awesome. Catch up, yeah. Catch up with some old friends there in the lobby. Uh, I didn't get a ticket this year because I just wasn't sure how it was going to be, what it was going to be with COVID and what the situation was going to be like. Uh, and I haven't actually gone to uh, the the con the full con since I had a kid in 2016, but I think he's ready. Uh, he's five years old now. He'll be six next year and more than ready. Perfect to age. Perfect party. age. Yeah. <laughs> I started taking my son when he was five to like Dragon Con and other smaller cons and such, and it was the perfect age to introduce him to it. So it's pretty. I think he'll, he'll love it because you know I see your pictures up on Facebook. Not that I'm stalking or anything, but <laughs> no, you're my friend there. I know, but it's pretty cool because, you know, you do geek stuff with him and it's, you know, you are the ultimate geek mom that way. And it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. When I brought him to LobbyCon, uh, when he was about two years old, no, less than two years old, he had a sonic screwdriver with him. Oh, awesome. And it was so cute. He was just banging it on the floor and on the chairs and uh, I, I'd love to get a little costume for him. And this time we, we just met up with people in by the in the lobby and by the pool um but it was you know it's fun to see people posing for pictures and um i'm friends with people in con ops so that's always and they could and the have. people in con ops couldn't go amy come on come on down this hallway we'll get you in <laughs> <laughs> i think i think my my sense of honesty went out and i didn't try hard enough <laughs> okay all right that's cool so she's a nice honest person too folks so that's pretty cool but um were there a lot of cosplayers that your son was able to see up in the lobby and by the pool and everything yeah, funny enough, there were a couple of people dressed as Harvey Birdman, and or maybe it oh. was maybe it was not Harvey Birdman. I get the, I get it mixed up. Please don't get angry at me, but I get it mixed <laughs> up with um Hawk Man, <laughs> Hawk Girl. Okay, that's and fine. I don't know why they were dressed like that at Gallifrey, but that's one thing that stood out to to Samson. And he also said, "Why are people wearing buckets on their heads?" Because there was a guy dressed like a I don't know what he's like a trash TARDIS or something. He had a oh, bucket cool. on his head that said police box and he had kind of on like oh. a, a wrap around him. Okay. That, that had like the pattern on. <laughs> okay. At least he gets an A for originality there. So. Yeah. I didn't know if he was talking about that or the Fez. Oh, Hmm. Interesting. And it wouldn't even thought Fez. Was it what color was the Fez that he was wearing? The Fez, the, the Fez the was the classic. The, the well, the bucket was blue, and the Fez was the classic reddish maroon okay. that the eleventh Doctor wears. Right, because I remember the Doctor in that episode had the Fez. I was like, going, did he have a bucket? But I know he had a mop. So yeah, so, yeah we didn't so. see the mop. But. So. I'm, 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 I'm dragging here, you know, I'm trying to push, you know, and see maybe <laughs> that the people had, you know, and everything, but yeah, that's pretty darn cool that 
you know, we, you know, you got to see that. And you know what? I love that people just try with costumes. And that's one of the great things that I noticed at Gallifrey you, or, you know, that you had all these people, you know, dressing up and they didn't have to be a perfect costume. At least they were there in spirit. And that's what. Oh, yeah. I was following my friends on Facebook too. And I saw my friend CJ dressed as a Cyberman and his girlfriend dressed as River Song. So that's, that's I, uh, I follow, um, well, a bunch of people, but I noticed that Paul Carnell was there and he, uh, he posted a lot of pictures of people in costume. And yeah, there was some really, uh, I love it because, you know, people like to pick some of the most obscure Doctor Who characters and, and, and do the cosplay. And, and it's, it's, it's fun to see, like, to, to see the characters and go, who is that again? I think I know. And then, you know, find out who it is and everything. Like, they're pretty, they're, they get pretty obscure, I think, which I love. I remember Deep last cuts. time we were at Gallifrey, we saw someone had dressed their little kid up as Mr. Sin from the Talons of Wayne Chang. Oh, wow. On the fourth <laughs> Doctor year. And I was like, okay. That one's a, a draw. That's a good one. That's that's almost inappropriate. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, kind of my sorta. son did does recognize the celery on uh, Peter oh, Davison's number... coat. Oh, he does awesome. remember that. Like as much as he doesn't remember me taking him to Gallifrey in past years, he does remember the celery. So that's fun. Someone in particular had a large uh, cardboard cutout of the what they call, I guess, the Shalka Doctor. Oh, you know, yeah, the one that Paul Canale wrote uh, that uh, was a BBC animated one. Mm-hmm. And they were carting that around the con. So Paul Carnell's got like a bunch of pictures of those. And that was kind of funny. That's pretty awesome. I know our friend Mark Heffernan was dressed up as Jody's oh, doctor. Yes. And the, <laughs> rea- seeing, yeah, seeing yeah. the reaction to the pictures of, <laughs> you know, Yaz and the master and a couple other folks, um, you know, seeing him dressed up as Jody was pretty interesting. So, but well, that's always the case when Mark dresses that way. Yeah, man, he's he's always uh, doing the photo op thing. Mm-hmm. Well, good on him. I'm very, you know, it's pretty absolutely. Awesome. He has a blast and everything. And some of the guests, you know, I would have loved to have gotten a chance to meet. And you know, so very cool. Sort of like one of these days, I want to go because it's sort of frustrating because it's it's sort of like I mean they keep it capped so low in terms of the attendance, and I don't know if it's lower than usual because of COVID now, but. It just seems like the tickets go on sale and they are gone within minutes. Well, they were still selling tickets pretty late this year. Oh, really? A lot of yeah. people were. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people were kind of hesitant because last time they did, they announced it, they started selling tickets, but then they canceled too. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because of yeah. COVID and the restrictions in in the LA area, and is that still going on? Because you know we're all on the East Coast, so. Oh, um, if they're still selling, no, yeah, do, do you still mask, have mask mandates? Like mask mandates? Oh, the mask or... mandates. Uh, yeah, I, I heard a, a rumor that they're going to start lifting it in mid March, possibly. Right. But I, I wouldn't trust that. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> a smart person on that. But it's it's interesting because you know here you go out, hardly anyone's wearing a mask anymore. I am. I so am I. You know, <laughs> there's some and really it, creative masks. At, oh, at there Gallifrey. are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some amazing stuff. And, you know, that's why people should have a good face costume. You put your mask right into it and everything. Oh, the Weeping Angels. I saw them. It was, there was that a was ton amazing. of them. Yeah. It looked like from the, some of the pictures I saw, there was just a mass of them, which uh, kind of reminds me of uh, that episode uh, during the flux of all those Weeping Angels. And I was kind of like, man, that's that's spooky. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there was you, some... well, you oh, know, sorry, though. No, 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 you're good. Um, no, basically, you know, you know, you just have a picture of one and they just all start coming out of the woodwork. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were ones that looked like Beaker, too, from the Muppets. I don't know why. Oh, the Meeping Angels. The Meeping Angels. Yeah. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meeping Angels. A Meeping Angel. It's kind of, it's a meme that went around. <laughs> I saw them at gotcha. Dragon Con two years ago. Yeah. Back in, in it's a great 2019. Idea. It was awesome. Now, Meeping Angel is awesome, and you had Doctor Honeydew as the doc as the tenth doctor, <laughs> which, was, which was even more fun. So that is awesome. So you, I'm glad you had a great time. And if you anyone went to Gallifrey, you know, please send us your pictures or send us links. We definitely would love to do it. And if you don't mind, we'll share them up on the Earth Station Who group too. So we definitely would love to, you know, have people post their pictures from Gallifrey or Long Island Who and a couple other of the Doctor Who cons that are around the country. Sadly enough, Hulanta is no longer in existence. I was going to say, sadly enough, there's a fewer than there was a few years ago, but oh, that's okay. exactly. Yeah. So that's all we have to talk about with Doctor Who news. And Amy, thanks for the report. We do appreciate yeah, no it. no problem. All right, let's take a quick break. We will be back in a moment, and we are talking about Warders and Mars. At the 42 cast, we want to bring you everything. And that's why we've jam-packed the next few months with as much as we can. You not only get the same reviews, topics, and interviews that you did before, you also get screen reads where we compare a movie to its source material, or role models where we talk about tabletop gaming. It's never been a more exciting time to check out our show. It's your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So why not check it out? We can be found on most podcasting platforms, and we are a proud member of the ESO Network. Certain moments in time are fixed. This base on Mars, what happens here must always happen. This is what? It's an unknown infection and it's spreading. Close down all water supplies. Any one of us could already be infected. We've all been drinking the same water. And if you take that back to Earth, one drop. Just one drop. Water is patient. Water just waits. Wears down the cliff tops, the mountains, the whole of the world. Water always wins. Why won't you help, Doctor? If you know all of this, why can't you change it? Because you die on Mars. You die today. Welcome back. We are going back now to November 2009, the ancient times of the 10th Doctor era. That's right. You know, I actually heard somebody actually reference to the 10th Doctor era as old Doctor Who. So it's like, oh. it's like, oh man, don't do that to like me. I don't, don't feel do old that. enough already. That's right. We are looking at The Waters of Mars, of course. Written, of course, by Russell T. Davies and Phil Ford, and directed by Graham Harper. It was part of the specials that they did. They did technically four specials, but the last were a two-parter, which we've already reviewed on the show. But this was an amazing one because the Doctor was traveling on his own, and it's rare 
when you see on Doctor Who that the Doctor doesn't actually have a companion with him. And because and it was just it was neat to see. And I remember watching this when it was live and it was a neat experience. And this one actually scared me. This really scared me because it was, creepy. oh, it's creepy as hell. Those water beings or whatever you want to call them. Zombies. Water zombies. Yeah. 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 That's a good way and to put it. And it's a good effect too. They did really well on the production values with this one. Oh, exactly. And the transformation scenes were just, oh, those are gruesome and everything. Mm-hmm. Not gory or anything, but just gruesome because you knew. What no, was they were very suggestive. Just the the fact that you got like the actor turning away, so they're not facing the camera and they're just shaking violently. It's like, man, that's really effective. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a really good effect and cheap, you know, cheap oh, and exactly. practical. Well, it's the cheapest special effect out there. Water. <laughs> yeah. So Graham Harper doing a good job, oh, director. Very much so, and you know. Amy he knows a when little something about directing Doctor. Oh, exactly. But it's yes. interesting because Amy, <laughs> when she suggested this one, she let me know that she knew Phil Ford. And have you talked to him about this one, or just yeah? Uh, actually, um, when I found out that you were doing this episode based on my suggestion, I reached out to him to see how he was doing, and he said he actually hasn't watched it since its first airing rewatched it since his wow. first airing really yeah which i thought was interesting um but we we did discuss it closer to the time that it first came out and i remember we took a trip on one of his trips here to la to to come to gallifrey we took a trip up to the griffith observatory and walked around the area with all the planets uh and when we came upon mars that's when we started talking about the waters of mars and um I think he feels really like he was really honored to have this episode uh, under his belt. Oh, I'm sure this was an amazing, amazing story. And I'd be curious to know, like, how much was this his story and how much did RTD put in? Or did he Mm -hmm. just do like the fringe stuff tying into other things that were going on with Doctor Who and such? I'll actually have to ask him that question. It's a good thing. Next time you're on the show, and you will be back. So, you know, we <laughs> we definitely would love to find that out. I'm just curious. Yeah, because he that. wrote a couple of episodes of Doctor Who, and of course, an episode of Torchwood. But I think really right. he wrote wrote most of his work with Doctor Who is with the Sarah Jane Adventures, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. He did a lot of Sarah Jane Adventure. Yeah. And he also did the video game Doctor Who, the adventure games. Oh yes. And he wrote uh, a book or two of uh, the of the Torchwood uh, novels. Oh, nice. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. It's interesting with this episode because, you know, the Doctor has a history with Mars, especially in the old series with the Ice Warriors. And I, so when I, I first... to give them a little shout out. I think this it, is the first yes. time they got a shout out in New Who. Yes, it was. And it was interesting too because, like I was about to say, we hadn't seen the Ice Warriors since the second Doctor era. And so this that's going at this time, to, you know, that's almost 40 years. And it's it's just amazing, you know, when they announced the Waters of Mars, I said, oh, it's going to be an Ice Warrior story. It's going to be an Ice Warrior story. Not one Ice Warrior. Not one. <laughs> but, but they were mentioned at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice they had a shout out. 
Yeah, they gave him like a little like because I think they were concerned about that. They might have written in Elvis and been like, "Oh man, then we got to make sure that the uh, the fans aren't upset about no Ice Warriors." So, well, it was let's, interesting. Let's mention him because <laughs> there was a scene where the doctor was trying to talk to the young lady who was in the sick bay, and she had already turned, and he was trying to talk to her in ancient Martian. Mm-hmm. And, oh right, yeah, and, and she recognized it, and yeah, yeah. and because and they said she actually looked like she knew what you were saying. So yes. it was, it was just, it was interesting with that. She so, does so well with the alien languages. Oh, Tenet's awesome in this. And he was fantastic. As soon as he found out that he was at Bowie base one, you know, he was like, Oh, <laughs> I've got to go. I can't stay here. This is a fixed point in time. This is this. And is he kept saying problem. that. Yes. Yeah. Which is a really unique it's sort of uh, the it's sort of flipped on the way that he usually goes into things, right? He usually goes into things and, 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 and there's a base under siege. Cause this is a typical, not a typical, but it's a base under siege like story. Um, but it's got, but because it's flipped, it seems so much more interesting uh, as far as instead of him going and trying to save everybody, he's trying to find excuses to not like to get out of there. So he does. So, cause he knows what's, what's happening is a, is a fixed point and he can't do anything about it. No, right. exactly. Because it's like his arms are tied. He can't save anyone. He can't, you know, even though there's no Time Lords and he's technically at this point, he thinks he's the only one that he basically is like, you know, towards the end of it, he's like, wait a minute. I'm the only one who could do anything about this. Why can't I change anything? And you actually see a darker side of the doctor with that. Yeah, his sense of playing the hero really comes out mm-hmm. yeah. well not just playing the hero playing playing the god. savior playing god, playing god. The sa- yeah. yeah playing god playing the savior that's a better way to put it because we had seen him obviously you know with new who they had established because i don't know if fixed points were ever a thing in classic who um i think that's a new who kind of creation i think uh um but there are certain you know we first kind of encounter that with what father's day with yes. Christopher Eggleston, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we see there's ramifications for if you try to change with some th- things in time. Um, you get the Reapers. You get, you get the, the Reapers. Reapers. Yeah, we've we've not seen the Reapers since, even though we've challenged fixed points a f- quite a few I times. Think it's after a good that. thing they dropped the Reapers. Yeah, the Reapers yeah. are were kind of lame. Yeah, we couldn't fear. I mean, the they were kind of cool. It's okay, they were too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess my understanding would be then that, well, I don't know. See, this still doesn't make sense that the Time Lords were responsible for the Reapers, but no, there were no Time Lords during that storyline either. So I don't know. But in any case, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, and it I was thought, interesting too. Go ahead, Amy. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting how he had that very serious discussion with um, Adelaide about how he could not change this fixed point in time. And she's she's asking him, can you please save us? You know, like, don't want to die. And then turns around and does what she asked. And she realizes that that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. She realizes that if she survives, then it doesn't point humanity into the direction that they needed to go. Yeah. Right. Even before he saves her, she she understands that. I mean, she's the one who, like, sets off the the uh the the 
code five or whatever it is uh, for the base to be destroyed because she's like, we, we have to die. And that's where she makes the decision. And she pretty much holds it to her, uh, holds to that. Um, well, at the point there were only three of them left at anyway. Well, then, well I mean, that's still. Yeah, and she makes the decision because of his talk with her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mean, yes. It, it's a really nice sort of feedback loop <laughs> that they put in the story. And it was interesting, you know, that he even knew that she had witnessed the Daleks and, you know, the story between that and how they showed that. And that's what drove her to the stars. And it was it was just really interesting how they it was like almost like a big circle, like you had said earlier. Everything was all tying together and it had to go a certain way for mankind to make it to the stars because of that. Well, it's That's why she that the Dalek itself realized yeah. that that this was a fixed point. For a Dalek not to pull the yeah. trigger, something big's got to be in the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why she does what she does in the end. Yes. Yep, yeah, and it'd be interesting. You know, he changed it just enough that she was found in her apartment. <laughs> but, you know, it was just like. At least he didn't go, oh, damn, if she killed herself, I got to take her back down to Mars and leave her body there. So, <laughs> or something yeah. which well, or just, just shove it out in space because yeah. the, the base blew up so nobody would have found it. I mean, you kind of have to imagine there must have been a billion questions from people like, how did they get back? You know, this kind of thing. But um, there's a couple things. It's kind of weird that we continually go to this, like, internet, like, page for the, the news of them. Which is it like it's, they sort of keep flashing to that, and I'm like, is that what it looks like in the doctor's head? <laughs> like a, just one big Google <laughs> result? <laughs> well, yeah, I think they were trying to show that, and that was just it was a little clumsy. It was a little clumsy. I mean, it got the point across, but and I don't know if I really noticed it the first time I saw it because I was just like, oh yeah, that's a that's the way we get information. But now I was looking at it, going, it's kind of a weird choice. Um, well, plus it, it looks dated now. Which yeah, that's true. Back then, back then, it probably then. didn't look as dated. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right about it that. It does, but at least they took the time to write out a whole thing. Uh, write, <laughs> yeah, write out. It's like an actual like text. Lauren Ipsum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rather than that. Because yeah. you know, people are are pausing that and reading everything to see oh, if they can get whatever they can out of it. Yeah, I did that. Um, thing. And it's also really a see? bold move too. I mean, for a for a show that. You know, I mean, even though it's it, things have changed, obviously, but I mean, this show's still pretty much targeted at at all ages or families or whatever. To have one of the major characters like commit suicide at the end, that's pretty bold. Like that would have never stood. I mean, I, I don't care how much <laughs> Philip Hinchcliffe got away with, like that would not have stood back in the day. Nope, totally understand that. But it was interesting too because. These specials actually mark a very special occasion technology-wise because these were the first episodes of Doctor Who that were shot in high dev. So, and it, so, so you it, could freeze that frame. Exactly, and read it. <laughs> you know, they those episodes now have been remastered over the years because, you know, this is 13 years ago now that the this episode Oof. came out. But... It was, you know, back then it was a big deal that the, you know, the David Tennant specials were going to be shown in high dev for Doctor Who was being shown in high dev before, because before that it was only shown in regular, not even, you know, probably 720. It wasn't even 14, you know, the high dev 
resolution and it was neat to see and it was just like we felt like it was like a whole new revolution with my you know tv and everything mm -hmm. at the time so it was pretty cool and it i think it's good yeah i think it's wonderful that it's on hbo max as well oh it's great uh, that it's on hbo max that makes it nice and easy to be able to watch the episodes even though i have it on blu-ray but it's nice <laughs> to be able to just go all right season three extra they had the specials with it and so it's like okay that's cool perfect boom so it was oh awesome. yeah absolutely so. um, back on the topic of um him not having a companion with him for these few episodes or, or for this one at least i think it shows how he doesn't have somebody to keep him in check and i mean the closest we get to a companion in this episode is adelaide brooke herself right mm-hmm no, very much so. And that's what I was thinking. It's like, does she count as the companion? Kind of. I, I would say she does because she actually, she is the one that that brings him back in a way that says, look, you can't be this. You can't do this. Yeah. It was interesting when he decided that he was going to be, you know, basically Time Lord Triumphant type thing. It almost felt like it felt, I got a master vibe a little bit from it. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, because that that's what happens if you start thinking that way. And that's going to lead right into the next storyline, which involves the master. So, I mean, that's on purpose as well. Oh, of course. Of course. And it was interesting, you know, at the time when we saw it, we didn't know it was going to be the master in the next story. We did. We did. Well, I didn't read spoilers back then, Mister. No. You didn't have to read spoilers. No, I'm at the at the end, it shows you like the what's trailer. going to happen in the next episode, and the trailer goes, "I am the master." It's like, okay. Well, <laughs> oh, I know. But watching the episode, we didn't know until we got to the trailer, right? Right. And everything, but that's where you know. But we got, you know, in the episode before, you know, knock you will knock four times, and you know, right. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that was established. What. Three, four stories ago, right? At no. the end of last season. No, it was actually the episode before. It was, it was in it was in uh, Planet but, of the Dead? Yeah, that's where they... Because they, that one woman was psychic who was on the bus. Oh, right. That's right. Wow. And, yeah. I know. It's been a while since I've seen that one, too. <laughs> I know. We have to still review that one sometime. But it was just like, yeah, she was like going... Doctor, he he's coming and he will knock four times, and it's like oh. everybody, yeah, everybody kind of held their collective breath when the zombie, the water zombie, knocks three times. And like, three <laughs> knocks is all you're getting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty bold. It was it was such a well done episode, and you actually cared for these characters through the story, and as each one got picked off one by one, that one young lady the Swedish lady and it was mm -hmm. just I felt oh, for it's her it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking yeah. for her because yeah. watching her children <laughs> as she dies exactly and yeah. it's like because even if a drop gets on you you're dead and yeah that, that one guy is just like he just <laughs> a drop hit him and he's like I can't go any further nope that's it he's gone you uh, it, me. it was yeah that's you know it's a pretty effective way of using uh you know i mean it's one of those things where it's like oh wow doctor who made us afraid of water yeah. <laughs> i'm shocked it wasn't written by moffat then you know <laughs> i mean they had this is when uh yeah they were doing all that kind of stuff so the flood um is uh i think what they're called but um yeah, I think regarding Adelaide, I think we can consider her uh, companion, not only because she technically does travel with the Doctor and the TARDIS at least once, 
but also she fulfills the role. Like she's the one who mm-hmm. kind of snaps him back to reality. Right, like Amy said, and yeah. it was it was interesting because yeah, she was his reality check in a lot of ways. And you know, you know, doctor, you can't be doing this. You're not God. You can't be doing this. You might know what's coming, but you can't change it. And you know, you can't be controlling people's lives like this. I'm a, t- a lord of time. I could do any. You know, it's like, no, uh, no, you can't. And she's sometimes took- victorious is wrong. Some, yeah, sometimes he can though, because he's not wrong in the fen- in the sense that like the other two. Um, that they're fine if they're still around. Like that's no big deal. Uh, but she's too. Yeah, but quote, they, unquote, they were at the fixed point in time. It right. Was her. Right. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. you know she she realizes if I survive, all my daughter my granddaughter doesn't go into space and becomes the first astronaut to go faster than light, and it's you know it changes everything right there. And so even if I go in hiding, I can't do it. I've got to die for this. And also that's what she'd worked for towards her entire life was, was getting humans into space. That, that was her, her entire purpose for living in her own mind. And so she wasn't going to let the doctor, you know, change that. Yeah, I think that. my favorite, my favorite scene in the whole thing is when they're talking and uh, about that. And, uh, you know, he's like, what drove you to space? And she says that she, she needed to go there. Um, and he said for revenge. And she said, what would be the point of that? And he just has this smile on his face. Like, like, I love you people. I love humans. Like, yeah, I love humanity and I love you. You are like the best of humanity. That is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And he loves humanity, but at the same time he talks about, he says to her, I've saved a lot of little people. And that really gets under her skin. Well, to his to his credit, I mean, he's he's got the, he should just he should have just switched the comms off because he's listening to them slowly dying, watching them and listening to them slowly dying, and his reaction is perfectly legit. Like, I don't know, like if you think you can do something, like it's it it's very difficult not to do something, right? Right. Uh, now, granted, he takes it to the extreme, but I, I sort of, I do think they do a really good job at building a case for him to do that. His mistake, though, was taking it to that extreme. Yes. Yes. And, and asking for thanks when they got onto Earth. Well, isn't anybody going to thank me? Right. Because there was a way he could have, like, saved them and, like, taken them somewhere else so that people think that they're dead. Right, because no one's going to check the wreckage or whatever. He could have taken them to a de- some other planet, and they could have been fine, um, and living yeah, out the rest of their lives in obscurity. He still doesn't know, though, if that would have somehow changed the timeline. I mean, that would have been taking a big chance if he had done that. Sure, have been something that happened. Well, it would not as big of a chance as like bringing her back to her house. <laughs> Right. Well, that, I mean, that's why. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point of her killing herself. She's yeah, going to make the, absolutely sure that 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 this happens. That she dies. Right. Was her family in there? Wait, like just gathered for a family dinner? Or was that her house was empty waiting? No, for her house I, was empty. I, I no, hope no, it was no, empty. They, no, they 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 actually have a little point of dialogue where it says it's the house has been closed up and empty. Yeah. And he uh, he unlocks it for her. And I think that's why they did that. <laughs> okay. Because I, I always wondered about that. I probably should have just 
Um, I don't know, <laughs> half built, but no, 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 it's okay. Like that, yeah, that's pretty gruesome for her to go in there and do that in front of her family would have been really awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they make sure they mention that, that nobody's there. Yeah, no, it's just interesting. And to see, you know, each crew member dies one by one by one and slowly being taken over, it's just like, it's like. This, it's a typical it's like a true horror story and it's yes. just like and the doctor had no control because usually the doctor's the one to swoop in and save the day with everything and he yeah. couldn't and he I couldn't. also like the way that this didn't come out of nowhere I mean we'd seen we'd seen Tennant's doctor like do things come this close before like when he was on uh, New New Earth, New New Earth and uh, he told the sisters like you want to take it to a higher authority? There is none. It stops with me. I mean, he actually says that to her face. And then later on, of course, with the spider uh, woman, and he just looks like the devil himself in that episode, in that story, with that first one with Donna. Like, there are times where he does come to the brink of, like, becoming that kind of figure. Well, but it's only the case of only having a companion, of course, that dials him back. Well, that's what the whole thing with Turn Left was all about, because that's how the doctor died in Turn Left. Right. Because he didn't have Donna to bring him out of that state. And he just went full out to destroy him and flood the, you know, the tunnels and everything. And he destroyed himself in the process. And so it was just like. Okay, yep. He definitely needs someone to just talk him off the edge sometimes. And I don't think they've really ever treated an incarnation of the Doctor like that either before or since, other than maybe we've gotten some hints that Sylvester's Doctor was kind of like that. A little bit, because Sylvester's Doctor was all goofy and everything until his second season. No, they made him truly dark towards the end of his run. And you were, like, wondering what his motivations were at times. You know, like, was he willing to sacrifice Ace because of it? And, you know, to get to the to finalize and beat the villain. And it was just, you know, he was very manipulative. And and I've talked to Andrew Cartnell about that. And he says they were, to- if we had another season, you would have even seen it more so. Mm-hmm. You know, because what they were building towards with his doctor. And I think Sylvester would have been great for that. But David pulled it off awesomely and everything. He's and, brilliant. And yeah. you, you saw hints of it with Matt and both P- and Peter. But you haven't seen that with Jody's Doctor at all. Right. And that's one of the things that I, I loved about Tenant and, and Eleven um, is that edge, that darker edge to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe, uh, I don't know, I... I've had a harder time connecting in the, in with Jody's doctor because she doesn't have that darker edge to her. Maybe there's just something about this, the story that it, it adds to it. Yeah. I don't think, I think, I mean, I think we've said uh, on this show before that it wasn't until the flux that she seemed to get like some of that, not all the way, of course, but some of that. And I think that really made her a lot more interesting. Um, and I was glad that she got to play that because David is, I mean, we get like every, every, like 
David has so much fun with this because there's times where he's having a blast. You know, the doctor is like bouncing around Mars and he's making fun of robots and he's joking with the captain about like they should have bikes on the station or whatever. I mean, all that interplay is really great. He's showing concern. He's showing admiration. Um, and then like then we see like sad doctor. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. We see that doctor. And then we see like angry, like godlike god mode doctor. And 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 he just goes from one to the other so effortlessly um he really is one of the best actors i think to play the role no agree i agree and it's, it's made even better by the fact that he was a big doctor who fan when he was a child just getting to play your hero like that when you grow up i'm sure that was truly amazing for him yeah and i think because of his acting ability the writers give him so much more uh, i don't know i mean we've seen other doctor and not to dismiss any of the act, other actors that have played the doctor I'm not doing that, but I mean, he just got like a lot of great stuff to play with. Oh, exactly. And we've always said, though, if Jody had better stuff to work with and she started getting it a little bit in flux, but, you know, it was a too little too late. <laughs> too little, too little, yeah. too late. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it had anything to do with Jody's acting ability. It was the right. No, I don't think so either. That, that let no, her down. not at all. And, you know, that's why we said we would love to have seen her with RTD. So, oh, absolutely. So it's pretty cool. So um, I just think it was pretty cool seeing some very familiar faces playing some of the different um, crew members also. And, you know, some folks who went on to different movies or, you know, even someone we saw in the Eternals recently was in this movie, you know, in this episode. So it was pretty awesome to see. And it was just it was just a great episode to watch. Amy, thank you for re recommending this one. Oh, I love it. My pleasure. And, and everything. And the way we do it on the show is we give this episode one out of five TARDISes. One being the worst, five being the best. Anything? How are you going to rate this one? Uh, well, I'm going to give it a five, obviously. <laughs> um, it's just got the perfect amount of adventure, tension, um, just emotion, and creatures. No, well, zombies basically it's a zombie story basically yeah yeah that's and base under siege which is classic doctor who this had all the different aspects of it which is cool <laughs> yeah. and you actually even had some great humor lines i love the line oh i hate i hate robots i don't i despise robots i had a friend of mine who used to dress her personal robot as a dog well dogs are okay robot dogs are okay <laughs> <laughs> those, are was, those are different i love that line it was just awesome all right, Mary, go ahead. Oh, I'm going to give it a five, too. This is one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes of all time. I think it is fantastic. It's one of those episodes where everything comes together, directing, writing, acting, production design. It's 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 beautifully shot. And uh, even the music in it is good. It's just, it, it's a thrill ride from beginning to end. And I just, and just... I just want to mention Phil Ford did such a good job with the secondary characters. I mean, you really care when they start getting picked off. It It is truly heart heartbreaking and he does it in a very few lines and uh, it's masterful. So no. yeah, I think it definitely deserves a five. No, agreed. All right, Mr. Mike. 
It's tough. I, I like this episode a lot, but when I think of my favorite great episodes of Doctor Who, this one doesn't, for some reason, come to mind. So I'm going to give it a four and a half, and I, mm. and I can't really, and I can't really say why I'm deducting a half a point. Only be, there must be some. I, I haven't been able to put my finger on exactly what it is that uh, that keeps it from being a, a like a, a five. So. Um, yeah, I wish I could, but I, I was thinking, I was trying to think about that since I watched it before, and I was like, going, why don't I think of this one more often? There must be some reason, and I still haven't been able to put my finger on it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because it doesn't have a classic bad guy. I don't know, um, you know, I tend to like those a little bit more, but uh, everything else is there, and, and, and it's a great episode. I don't know if it's a good episode for, like, if you're, if you're introducing someone to Doctor Who, I don't know if this is the one you want to start with. Um, because it really works because it flips the script usually, you know, like, and I think that's where it's, it's really, uh, compelling because it's got a flip script and because he's not trying to save everybody or he can't, um, and he's confronted with that. Um, so he, it's a different problem for him, but it's a good one. And, uh, yeah, it's still a classic episode. I'm going to turn the script on you on that one, Mikey, because I think this would be a good one to introduce people to with Dr. Who. Because you don't have any past villains, really. You don't have to explain history of Doctor Who. This is just a, a straight-out horror story. And, you know, where this guy, you know, who's an explorer in space, comes to the space, which was awesome to be called Bowie Base One, you know. Sure. We, 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 have, we really have to do that. When we set up a base on Mars, we, we really should call it Bowie Needs Base it to be one. Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to call it Bowie after we know what happens to this base in this one? <laughs> well, well, yes. Uh, Bowie uh, base yes. two. We're less than 40 years off from uh, 2059 now. So. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's That's really true. not even, you know, we'll probably possibly see it in our lifetime. So maybe, possibly, could be. <laughs> I thought this episode was really relevant to what's going on with uh, with. You know, outer space exploration oh, right now. Exactly. Rockets. And- yeah. Oh, it's funny because a friend of my friend who works at SpaceX was like, you know, he said, what are you doing for your next episode of, you know, of the Earth Station Who? And I was like, oh, we're doing Warders of Mars. Oh, I love that one. When I was in college, you know, and it was, he was like going off when he, because he's a couple years younger than me. And he was like, well, when I was in college, that's what I made me want to go work for, you know, to a company that was going to be going towards Mars and everything. And that's why he works at SpaceX now. Cause you know, that is amazing. And it's cause most likely Elon Musk is going to beat NASA to the moon, to moon and Mars. So there's a good shot at that. Um, my rating, I'm going to give this a five. I love the story. I think it's, it's a great, great, you know, running around the halls back and forth back and forth and i love the scene where you know he hot rods the uh robot the and everything robot. and the fl- the flames are back out of the back of it and everything no explanation for it but you know it just was it just looked cool so it was it was great and you know it was judy and i were watching this earlier tonight and we were both like this was great this was really fun to watch and that's what's what you want for a good episode of Doctor Who. And this was right, you know, and it was it was heartbreaking because you knew David only had two more stories left. And it was just like, man, I don't want to hear that knocking. That's all I want to say. <laughs> okay. 
So it's a ton of fun, but I'm glad we got to watch this one all together and talk all about it. Amy, you survived your first episode with us. Yay. And hopefully we didn't scare you away that you'll come back again sometime. I would love to if you'll have me. Most definitely. Most, most definitely. But um, we definitely would love to hear from folks at home. Please write us feedback at earthstationwho.com. What did you guys think of this episode? Uh, it was a ton and ton of fun. I'm sure we missed a ton of, you know, little points on it. And, you know, people are going to write us, but you didn't talk about this and this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, I know. But um, join us for our next episode. We are going to the sixth doctor. And no, we're not doing Trial of the Time Lord yet, folks. Sorry. <laughs> nope, nope. We're not ending the podcast just yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Don't, don't yet. get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> but we are looking at Vengeance on Varos. It's the, the, the last story that we haven't reviewed before Trial of the Time Lord. <laughs> well, we also have all the six doctors' big finish still to review, too. So there you I know. Go. But I'm talking about official ones. I know. I know. I know. But let's thank everyone for being here tonight. Amy, thank you. Thank you so much. My Is there, pleasure. Is there any, like, do you uh, post on social media? Do you want followers or do you want just <laughs> to remain anonymous so people don't call, write you and stalk you and stuff like that? That's okay. Um, I, I have an Instagram that's public. My Facebook is friends lock, but in, my Instagram is uh, Amy, A-M-Y underscore Merrill, M-E-R-Y-L-L. If anybody wants to follow me and see the random stuff I post. Which is pretty awesome because she explores the geek side of Los Angeles with her son. It's pretty cool. So definitely check it out. And let's thank our regulars. Of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. And for those folks out there who are really into David Tennant, uh, you might want to check out this week's, if you're a Patreon, you can check out this week's Rants and Raves because Mike and I are going to be talking all about... Uh, around the world in 80 days featuring david Tennant, the uh, bbc show so so sign up and listen up it's only a dollar a month folks it doesn't hurt you know and it helps support us you know a dollar you know almost keeps the lights on for about 20 seconds it's pretty awesome so we definitely would love to you know have you guys support us that's patreon.com slash eso network and ms mary ogle thank you as always Oh, thank you. Thank you, Amy. This is one of my favorite episodes. It was wonderful talking about it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I loved it. Had a great fun time. That was uh, good. Mary, do you want to promote your artwork real quick? You can find me at maryogle.com where I am just getting back into painting with acrylic painting, which I'm going to be posting on my website soon. So if anybody's interested, go, go check it out. Uh, you can also find me on Etsy at eVision Arts. That is awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And please, you know, be safe. Hug your loved ones, as we always say. And you know what? Just have fun. And let's go travel through space further on to more adventures with the Doctor. Until then, my name is Mike Faber. We'll see you soon. Peace. And we are done. Boom. Woohoo! Yay! You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talent from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. 
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.